Hi, welcome to the Michiana People Podcast. We are sponsored by Mapletronics Computers. Now, I work for Mapletronics Computers, so I may be biased, but I know we have some of the best IT engineers in the region. I'd put our knowledge up against anyone around, but that's not what makes Mapletronics great. Our ability to solve your IT issues with you instead of always selling you the expensive solution we think you need makes Mapletronics great. Maple Triangle will find a solution for your business continuity, security, and productivity needs that fits your expectations and budget. Check out mapletronics.com forward slash Michiana people for a free gift and then explore the website to see what Maple Triangles can do for you. If you'd like to talk to me personally, give me a call at 574-537-5838. Traditional advertising is dead. Radio, TV, and magazine ads are ineffective and everyone's interest is fragmented. Grant at Vala Marketing will create a strong digital presence for your company using web development, content creation, and search engine optimization, as well as social media. Their primary focus is growth, so if you haven't figured out how to get quality leads or potential customers in the door, you need to give them a call. As a special offer to Michiana People podcast listeners, Grant of Vala Marketing would like to provide you with some free information. He'll give you a website, search engine, and social media audit to help identify where you're at and where you can go. You can give him a call direct at 574-606-6696 or shoot him an email at to grant at volomarketing.com. Now, this is episode 29 of the Michiana People podcast. Steve Martin started Ignition Music in 2012, and this isn't the wild and crazy guy Steve Martin. It's a different Steve Martin, although he's kind of wild and crazy too. You'll hear how it all started, as well as some fascinating information about the music industry in this interview. I hope that the takeaway from this episode is that you understand that you should visit Ignition Music, listen to music on a premium sound system, and talk to Steve while you're there. He really does love helping people find great music and teaching them how to hear it as it was recorded. But most of all, I really, really hope that you go check out their website, click on upcoming shows, and reserve a ticket for you and whoever you can take with you. You don't have to know anything about the band. Steve knows how to pick them. I guarantee that any show that you pick will be an experience that will bring you back. If you haven't heard it already, go back to episode 12 of this podcast. That's my interview with Jason Samuel. Steve and Jason are the reason we have a treasure like Ignition Music in the Michiana area. Some upcoming events on Saturday, September 10th, the Concert of Hope will be happening at the CS3 on Calhoun Street in Fort Wayne. This concert is raising funds to battle Huntington's disease and features local favorites Shiny Shiny Black, along with one of my new favorite bands from Indy, Viseria, as well as Addison Agen who is a um, young singer-songwriter. You can get advanced tickets for the show at theconcertofhopehd.com. That's concertofhopehd.com for 7 bucks, or you can pay 10 bucks at the door. This will be a great show for a great cause, and I hope you can be there. On Friday, September 9th, Ignition Music will be featuring a show with the Accidentals. Now, they are a great trio from Michigan that have uh, been blowing up the festival circuit. They will be joined with singer-songwriter Steffi James, also from Michigan. Steffi will be opening up for them. To get tickets, you can go to ignitionmusic.net and click on Upcoming Shows, and you can get tickets that way. You can call them, or you can go in and buy tickets. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and I hope you enjoy this interview with Steve Martin. Hi, thank you for listening to the Michiana People podcast. I am sitting in Ignition Music in Goshen, Indiana with the owner, Steve Martin. 
Thanks for being on the podcast, Steve. Well, thanks for coming to see me. Um, it's an honor to have you in the store. I wanted to, I, I've already warned you, I'm going to get a little bit sappy. Uh, the, one of the reasons I started the podcast is I saw what you were doing here. And the big reason is that I saw that somebody can start really pursuing their dream and their passion after the age of 30, because we're, <laughs> We're both a little bit longer in a tooth. Than uh, come on, say the, after the age of 50. <laughs> okay. Come on. Let's be honest. I know they can't see us, Scott. Right, right. Come on, right. let's be honest. Uh, well, I've had plenty of pictures taken. I think people know. So, But, uh, yeah, watching, watching this grow and being a part of the scene, coming in and buying some records, coming in and listening to the great band you come, you bring in kind of sparked something in me that made me want to do something I was passionate about. Well, and, that's great. Thank you. And after six months of doing this, I just become more passionate every time I do one. And you were one of my targeted first guests, and six months later, here we are finally sitting down. <laughs> Well, you know, we, you know, my, I've now got my agent, my manager, uh -huh. um, my bookkeeper. <laughs> I did want to kind of look back at your history, just do a quick snippet of what you did before you started this, okay. and then sure. kind of get into what it's all about. Well, I did almost 30 years, right? I went to Goshen College. Mm -hmm. I did 30 years in on the supplier side of the RV business, mm -hmm. various companies, uh, the end of that tour was uh, four acquisitions in five years and uh -huh. a bankruptcy. Okay. So I was ready to leave. I went to Mennonite Mutual Aid and was on um, the president's team there. I was head of marketing and sales mm -hmm. uh, for another eight years. Okay. And I tell people it's, um, I think at some point you just reach your capacity for dealing with uh, the political culture of any institution. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that if you were high up enough in the organization, you would be insulated from the BS. And uh -huh. It's not true. Right. It actually just gets worse. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, you have, to, you, 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 you have to not only handle it from up above, but you have to handle it from below right. when, when well, you get into the, the higher echelons. And the time when it felt when the big corporation went bankrupt, uh, back in 2001 was real intense time for me. Okay. And um, that was when I discovered that I had let music go as something that was central to my life. Mm -hmm. Growing up in the 60s and the 70s, mm -hmm. I mean, music was central to everything. Right, right. Uh, especially youth culture at the time. Mm-hmm. We didn't have anything else. Right. It was the 60s and 70s. Um, and once I reintroduced music to my life, mm -hmm. my life began to change. Okay. And I started, I felt like I started to come back into balance between the right brain and the left brain. Mm -hmm. And it's no coincidence that I also started playing music again. Okay. At the same time. Right. And from that, um, that passion awoke again. Um, I bought a new stereo system. I bought a bass guitar uh -huh. and music. I came to realize music was part of who I was. Uh -huh. That really, uh, that really is shown here at Ignition. So 
when you when you were coming up and you were first passionate about music, tell me about tell me about the first couple bands that just spun your head around. Oh wow! Um, seeing the Who and the Kinks in the same year. Oh man! In '69. Uh huh. I was 15 years old. Yeah. That. And yeah, it was five bucks. And it was the days of, uh, I mean, what most people don't understand is in, in that era, just look at the video of the Beatles live at Shea Stadium. Right. Uh, the amps had to carry, and the drummer had to carry the music. You uh -huh. can't hear Ringo at all. Right. And the only thing coming through the PA system was the vocals. Mm. And so... In those days, they had these walls of amplifiers, and you could never hear the vocals. Mm -hmm. But it was pretty amazing right. experience, right? Oh, nonetheless. yeah. I I wish I could have done that. The, that's that's two bands I would have liked to see live with the the full lineup, obviously. Yep. And the other thing is, is I just missed out when Jay Giles was really a hot touring band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I came up. I'm I'm 52, so I came up when. Uh, freeze frame and centerfold and all that yeah, came out. Yeah, not when they yeah. were, not when they were doing the good stuff. <laughs> well, we, well, actually, we were we were dancing to them at house parties in 1974. Yeah, uh, before they had a hit, and uh, they were an incredible live act. Yeah, yeah, I th that's what I've heard from everybody. I, a guy I used to work with uh, took his college break and just followed them for a summer. And well, get so that, was, this would have been even before um, House Party, uh, which was a couple albums before, mm. but get their, their live record, Full House. I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's yeah. all. Just listen, listeners, just go get that record. There's a bunch of them uh, out there. It shouldn't cost you more than six or seven bucks. And you have one of the greatest party records. Of oh, yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic from, from the first to the last song. Like you, and, and what a lot of younger folks don't understand is, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, I grew up in Lakeville, and the internet was not around. My only exposure to music would be going to Boogie Records in South Bend or listening to the nighttime on Friday and Saturday on WSND when they were playing what uh, was called in well, there 78, you hit it. 79, there you hit it. was the new wave. Yeah, well, there you hit it. Yeah. It's radio. Mm -hmm. um, that I think that's the other thing that uh, the younger generations doesn't quite understand yet. But one of the reasons I got out of music was because I lost that taste-making or cultural development that comes from a really good radio station. Mm -hmm. So I grew up an hour south of Cleveland, right. in Orville, Ohio. Uh -huh. WMMS won national radio station mm -hmm. of the year, FM station of the year mm -hmm. for like 15 years running in right. Rolling Stone. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was always being introduced to new artists, mm -hmm. what was on the cutting edge, right. and wasn't top 40. Right, right. In fact, once a band became top 40, I generally quit listening to them, mm -hmm. like Jay Giles. Right. Once yeah. a freeze frame hit, I never bought another Jay Giles record. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and what happened when I moved here is from the early 70s until the Globe went on the air in 2007, we had a radio music wasteland. Yeah. 
And so I made up for that by reading, mm-hmm. um, but you couldn't even listen to it. Oh, and yeah. Then, and going to Just for the Record in mm-hmm. the 100 Center mm-hmm. uh, and Super Sounds, my yeah. friend Roger Method, um, were, those became my tastemakers. Yeah. But it seemed once the CD hit and uh, disco hit, and I, I think the 80s were just, I just began to arrive at the conclusion that music, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. And nothing was as good as the classics. Right, right. And then you kind of wear out on it. Mm-hmm. But then I went for the 90s and really did not listen to new music. Right. Did, did, did not buy music. Right. I was I too was, busy in corporate life. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that sparked my passion for this was 91 won the globe Mm -hmm. and volunteering right and coming to the realization that yes there is incredible amount of great music out right right but it's been run out of the market by clear channel buying all the radio stations Mm -hmm. and live nation buying all the concerts right right and i was in a similar spot as you in the 90s i think the first conversation we ever had was the fact that I had I had limited my listening to the Who, Dave Alvin, and John Hyatt for like four years in a row. That's pretty much all I listened to. <laughs> uh, I, I did find all those dudes, <laughs> um, but I found them by seeing them live. Yeah, in a yeah. small room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, um, John Hyatt at um, the State Theater in Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. And Dave Alvin at the Livery in Benton Harbor. Mm-hmm. I didn't know and Dave. That Dave was part yeah. of the what sparked me again to this level of being involved in music mm-hmm. is seeing those uh, incredible genius level Hall of Fame level artists in a small room. Right, right. And that's when the light went on. Mm-hmm. Is that it is about that experience of the listener connecting to the song mm-hmm. and and the artist and preferably a band my i like full band uh-huh. how they put together a show oh yeah and when the two become when those three things and you, you got to put the sound system in the mix when that all works it's magic mm-hmm. yeah oh and i can yeah. o- i cannot think i can only think of one uh, large venue that ever comes close to that, mm-hmm. and that's Blossom Music Center in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Oh, okay, okay. First outdoor shed yeah. built for the Cleveland Orchestra. Yeah. So the sound is incredible. Right. Oh yeah. Um, but every single one of the rest have come in small rooms. Mm-hmm. And I've I've experienced the same thing, and I went th- I went through the period where I just. I, I had no desire to listen to new music, and then I had XM radio for a while, and I had to get rid of it because what they do to the music is so digitized that it made my ears bleed. So well, now but, you're talking. Look, we can talk the rest of the time about <laughs> uh, the impact of MP3s. Yeah, on how it affects you, and mm-hmm. I can say for a fact that uh, MP3s do not create the same physical and emotional response to music mm-hmm. because they remove 90% of what makes music rich. Right, right. The overtones, the depth, the width, um, the rings, the sustains, that's all stripped out and you just get highs and lows. Right, right. And after a while, your ear actually gets fatigued 
mm -hmm. from the sibilance and the harshness. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so more music than ever before, but the quality is so bad yeah. that you can barely uh, function. And so the biggest surprise to me was that when I really started getting engaged again mm -hmm. and got a good stereo system. Mm -hmm. I realized that all these samplers and burn CDs that I had made sounded worse than my cassette tapes. Yeah. <laughs> it did. The cassette yeah. sounded great. Yeah. And these burn CDs were watery and thin and one-dimensional. And, oh, I've thrown them thousands away. I've deleted 44,000 songs out of my iTunes library. Uh -huh. That was accumulated from listening for the globe. Mm -hmm. So I, I never stole music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I took home the promo CDs, I listened to them, I rated them, and then iTunes was wonderful for picking what to play in a radio uh -huh. show. Right. But then you're playing MP3s. Right, right. And so it's cheating, folks. Uh -huh. I'm sorry, using software is cheating. Yeah. But now, now the, the, the quality is there. If you, uh, the free lossless audio codec is, has gained a foothold in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. and, it doesn't cost you any more to deliver a FLAC file than an MP3. Right, right. Um, my belief is they're just waiting till they can command a, a premium price for it. Right, right. So, MP3s should be free. Mm-hmm. But you should pay the same for FLAC as you should for close to a CD. Right, right. And I've, I've experienced the difference between MP3 and FLAC and even my tired old ears can figure it out. It's, uh, it's instantaneous. I, we, yeah. we stream it uh, through Sonos here in the store because mm -hmm. I want to have something for digital customers, mm -hmm. but I want them to listen to the real thing, right. not this fake stuff through right. some earbuds. Right. And yeah. they're stunned. And I always put on Adele's Hello mm -hmm. because it's, it was so ubiquitous last year and everybody's heard the song. Mm -hmm. No one has heard the song. Right. <laughs> unless they got the CD. Right. Right. So, you start ignition. You start ignition twenty twelve. Twenty uh, February twenty twelve. February twenty twelve. Five years ago, this was happening um, in my brain. Mm -hmm. um, the The event that triggered it was Jason Samuel bringing Luke Doucet and Melissa McClellan uh, to our stage to play a show uh, right before they suspended their solo careers and mm -hmm. recorded the first White Horse record. Mm -hmm. They played right in front of this building uh -huh. on June 11th, 2011. Wow. And I wrote this lengthy, well, almost an article, more of a journal entry. Um, I sent it to Luke and Melissa, mm -hmm. that, and they shared it with their friends. But the, the, the basic basis of it was, when people hear great music, it doesn't have to be something they're familiar with. It mm. doesn't have to be something they've heard on the radio. Right. When a great artist is in front of you, I watch it happen here. Mm -hmm. You know, by the time, as people didn't come and leave and cycle through, they came mm. and sat out. Right, right. And they stayed. Yep. And then the merchandise line was 45 minutes long. Mm -hmm. It was that great of a show. Right. And I saw the kids dancing on stage with them, and I saw young and old and... and they were all getting great joy from this music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. And I said to myself, I want more of that. Yeah. So we went to the Americana Conference, Jason and I. I'd gone for several years now. That would have been my third year. 
with specs of rooms on campus, the Goshen Theater, and our we went down with the intent to book a concert series. Mm-hmm. And uh, we came back with the idea for doing radio retail and concert all in the same uh-huh. room. <laughs> and that was a good idea. Well, well, that remains to be seen. Yeah. It, yeah. I'd say it, no matter what happens with Ignition, the fact that we built this from scratch and got this much national attention, mm-hmm. that's, that's satisfaction, that's accomplishment enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's bucking all of those trends. Right, right. So my, my foray back into music was uh, Sons of Bill. I've mentioned them on yes. too many podcasts. <laughs> but I love them, and I well, that was I, that was I, one I of the magic nights. I want to say I want to say their name every time I. But that was one time. of the magic. Oh, nights. It was the beautiful. first time they played here. Yeah. was absolute yeah. magic. Oh yeah, they had everybody in that room, and mm-hmm. it was a full house. Yep. Uh, they were virtuosos on their instruments. Mm-hmm. The mix was perfect. Joel had mixed that show. Yeah, and and that's the impetus for wanting to record and film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though, unless you see it in HD and FLAC, which is how we're going to produce it, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not going to see it on YouTube. Right. Because YouTube's going to cut that down to crap. Yeah. I would love to have had a video of that show. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the really neat thing was, was I, okay, I discovered Sons of Bill. I um, went out to visit my daughter in Virginia soon after she moved there. And I found out she was up in, I think she was living in Herndon at the time. And I found out Sons of Bell were playing in Richmond mm-hmm. uh, the weekend we were going to be there. I said, okay, we're going to this. So we took the trek. And even though it's only 80 miles, it was two and a half hours to get yeah. there because yeah. uh, the highway is so congested. But we went there and we listened to them. And I, I fell in love even more than I did before I'd seen them live because they are a live band. Yes. And my daughter fell in love, my wife fell in love, her boyfriend, who's now her husband, fell in love. And then I get back and I see they're on your calendar. And that was the first show I ever saw here. So I'm obviously coming to the show. And so we came to the show and the magic that you described I can still I can still see all of it. I mean, it was. Well, I get goosebumps it, thinking about it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so neat that they got lost. They couldn't they couldn't figure out how to get to the stage. <laughs> but but it came that, from the outside. Yeah, but that was great. And then they then they put out the uh, new album, and they were playing here on Sunday, and they were playing at Shuba's in Chicago on Saturday. A lot of, lot of our acts, that's yeah. a normal routing. And I told or my Shane wife. call in Milwaukee. Yeah, I told my wife, I said, we're going to both. And my son and his girlfriend were home at the time, and we took them, and he fell in love with the band. And, um, but we go see him Saturday at Shuba's, and then we come here, way better here. Just, well, and and that's what that's what I felt we had to do. Mm-hmm. You know, part of that is is what's happened to. I mentioned the trends are working against this. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the in the seventies, these would have been theater acts. These would have been acts that played one thousand to two thousand seat right. halls. Right. Right. Because the audience for that style of rock music, mm-hmm. country rock, you know, all you got to you know, Charlie Daniels Band, uh, Marshall Tucker. Mm-hmm. I mean. They all come. They would have commanded that, right? Um, 
but now what's happened is these bands have been pushed down into what used to be rock clubs mm -hmm. in the major markets. Right. Well, you know, a rock club, there's going to be X number percent of the audience that's going to be talking. Yep. And that's so, exactly and then happened. the sound guy has been, you know, maybe he was used to mixing Hinder. I don't know, <laughs> but they they play the volume too loud to mm -hmm. get over the talking. Uh huh. And pretty soon the artists can't hear themselves. You got all sorts of strange muddiness going on in the room. And you know, through a bad mix, you can't tell the bit difference between the Sons of Bill and a local act. Right. Yep. So that's Joel. Joel mm -hmm. Jimenez is now stage manager and assistant front of house for on the Thomas Rhett tour. He's been out with him for two years. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, we invested in a, a lot of money in our PA system and we designed sound traps to get rid of that reverberation mm -hmm. that causes the muddiness. Right. And um, we, uh, we got more than we should have for a board for this size of room, so a digital board, so mm -hmm. that we can save settings. Right, right. And all of that is what the great rooms mm -hmm. are known for. Right. And it's an honor when the artists tell us this is the best sound they've uh -huh. had on tour. Right. Or other than Red Rocks, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... So... I see Sons of Bill, I fall in love with this place. I had been here and bought a couple records because both my kids have turntables, which I think is cool. Uh, I bought, bought them a couple records. And, but I saw Sons of Bill and I said, you know, I don't care who's playing. I, I want to come here anytime we can. Mm -hmm. So I've seen, I don't know how many acts here. And I have never, ever had a bad experience. And one of the cool things that happened is not only are you supporting these, these national acts and regional acts, but you're also supporting local acts. Yes. My first experience with Elephant Rescue was here yeah. uh, when they were opening for the Harpoonist and Axe Murder. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was such a cool night because Elephant Rescue brought it Oh, so they pushed hard. the headliners. Yeah. They pushed the headliners. And, I saw I saw the guys now the harpoonist and axe murder. It's a guitar player, a harmonica player, and a couple kick drums. Mm -hmm. And th their eyes were as wide as saucers when they came out after Elephant Rescue. They tore it up. I mean, they they did an excellent job, but they had to kick it up a notch to to meet that. Well, and they had just played for, they had just played a venue for like thirty five people. Uh huh. And this their uh, two thousand seat audience. They're, at the uh -huh. time, were the number one blues act in Canada. Yeah, yeah. And so this was their first tour of the U.S., mm -hmm. and they were sorely disappointed yeah. at the rooms and being thrown in there uh -huh. because um, their music's great. If you listen to it, it rocks. Oh, yeah. But you look and say, well, there's two guys. There's no way that show's going to rock. That's going to be a folk show. Uh -huh. I hate folk. <laughs> that definitely wasn't um, a folk show. And they, they told me later, um, but... Their showcase act at Americana Fest in September. Okay. They were one of the hundred bands that got picked out of the thousand that submitted entries. Okay. Do you know if it's a weekend show? Because I'm going to be there. I can't go the whole week, but I'm going to be. I think. Friday, I don't Saturday, know. Just Sunday. go to the website. It'll tell you. Okay. Okay. But of the hundred names they announced last week. Mm hmm. And so Americana industry, for those of you who don't know, that would be Jason Isbell, Sturgill Simpson, Chris Stapleton, Jackson Brown, Bonnie Raitt. Um, Buddy Miller, Emmylou Harris, 
and you go down then to the next tier acts, Sarah Jarose, and but these folks are are. I mean, the, some of the people I mentioned, those records debuted at number one on the folk rock and country charts uh -huh. from Americana. Right. They have an annual meeting. It's a big deal to get a showcase. Mm -hmm. Of the 100 announced uh, last week, 20 of them have already played here. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So it will be, it will, could be like reunion week. Yeah. Just go see them. But yeah. usually that's where we scout the bands that we see as up and coming or mm -hmm. have great new records coming. Right. And that's usually how you get positioned for a showcase. Right. Something current or something coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope I see you there. It's a great experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. $80 or $60 wristband. Mm -hmm. And they've got 14 venues and they have showcases every night. So mm -hmm. you can't see it all. Right. But you can see four acts a night. Mm -hmm. um, right. Wednesday through... Uh, Saturday night. Right, right. So the bands that you get here, as I've said, I have never seen a bad act here. And I've become a fan of everybody I've seen. I have become a fan of the openers. Israel Nash, who opened for <laughs> Sons of Bill. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, one well, of the most soulful singers. Yeah, his and, last record blew up, and yeah. he's now a $5,000 artist. Yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, fortunately I got to see him twice. I got to see him yeah. at, at Shubas and here, but obviously here was better. Poor guy ran out of merch. I told I told him at Shubas, I said bring bring it all. I know I know how things go at Ignition. Well, at that <laughs> tier, at that tier, um, all of these bands are working with professional booking agents. Mm. And William Morris, High Road Touring, New Frontier, names that won't mean anything to you until you go look at their artist roster. Mm -hmm. We do quite a bit with Monterey, and they represent rock acts, Americana acts, mm -hmm. country acts, folk acts. Right. Part of it is building a relationship with them that they want to send their artists here mm -hmm. when they're routing. Right. And the reason they, they do is because A, they get paid, B, mm -hmm. They have a great experience. Mm -hmm. And so that's brought us a lot of bands that, you know, wouldn't consider playing right. what it's considered the South Bend market. Uh -huh. right. You know, if we do Chicago, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's only five hours of Cleveland. Come right, on. right. But the difference is in the large metro markets, um, the people who come out to see those shows are all Sons of Bills fans mm -hmm. or Israel Nash fans. Mm -hmm. And when they come here, 100% of the people become fans. Uh -huh. Oh, exactly. And so this is the booking agents and the, and the management and particularly the radio promoters uh, love the spins that the Globe gives to the Americana chart. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sarah Jarose, it was the Globe spins that put her at number one two years mm -hmm. ago, the year she was nominated for the Grammy. Mm -hmm. That all working together is an encouraging sign it, because the industry has fragmented as the major label influence has mm -hmm. waned. Right. Uh, it's, you know, radio is not promoted by New West Records no. or Fat Possum Records. Right. No, you got to hire a radio promoter. Right. Um, they don't book tours anymore. Mm -hmm. No, we hire William Morris and mm -hmm. High Road Touring to right. do that. Uh, so the industry's become fragmented. Mm -hmm. And when they see a market, even a tiny market like ours, working to promote the artist, that's what's lacking in the mm. music business today. Mm. 
because so much of social media is hit or miss. Right. Right. Hit or miss. Right. What is it that prevents people from what what makes them scared to come out and see new music? Something that they've never heard before. Well, I think that's how radio's taught them to listen. Mhm. Uh, I mentioned the influence of radio in my tastes, mm-hmm. and I my tastes were curated and cultured by WMMS in Cleveland. Right. Well, here, and what Clear Channel wants is they want formula radio. Right. We want it to sound like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now, the best example of that is Top 40 Country. It's the pop music yeah. of the day. yeah. And it's all formulaic. It mm-hmm. sounds the same. It sings lyric, lyrical contents the same. Mm-hmm. Very rare is the person writing their own songs. Mm-hmm. I think inherently people know it's fake. Mm-hmm. So right now you have a whole segment of the population that says, I hate country. Man, if there's any uh-huh. country in it, I ain't going. Uh-huh. Okay? And that's and not what And so they, you is, throw though. out this whole genre. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I love Sturgill Simpson. Man, uh-huh. I saw him at Bonnaroo. It was the most... <laughs> so that's how the acts are breaking through, mm-hmm. mostly live. Mm-hmm. And it's not recordings. Right, right. So I don't quite know how you break through the collective consciousness anymore other than festivals. Yeah. My experience is is I've, I've been able to bring people here, mm-hmm. but not all of them I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people respect my taste in music, and I say, they say, who's playing? And Never I'll heard say, of them. I'll say Amy LaVere, and I'll say, well, I have no idea who she is. And I'm like, well, I don't know her either, but I know it's going to be a good show. Just, what kind of, next just, just next question it. is, what kind of music does she play? Right, right. And so I said, okay, you tell me what kind of music WMMS played in the 70s. Uh-huh. Good. It was good music. <laughs> good songs. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I think part of that is, is also learned. Mm. So if you grew up in this market, and particularly the wife, mm-hmm. okay? My wife is the most wonderful person in the world. She went back to work as a nurse, Mm -hmm. so we'd have health insurance and could do this. Right. So she'd been supporting me. Mm -hmm. And, but, when I would suggest going to see live music, Mm -hmm. what did it mean? To see anybody any good, you had to drive over 100 miles. Yeah. Rule number one. Right. Why? Because most of the rooms that used to program that stuff closed. Yeah. Or have just cover bands. Mm -hmm. It's going to start late. Mm Mm-hmm. It's going to be in a bar setting. Yeah. People are going to be talking and even worse, smoking. Mm-hmm. So your your frame of reference for live, that's your frame of reference for live music. Mm-hmm. Or going to see a tired old legacy act, you know, at the fair or, or somewhere else, at, you know, the band that has one original member. Right, right. And that's nostalgia. Mm-hmm. So you think that's the best you can have. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. every other live music experience you've had, and, you know, even the public festivals, you know, the weak link in the system there is there's so much going on. Mm. And in some cases, marginal PA systems. Right. So you can't tell the difference between a great band and a good band. Right. Right. And the hardest thing is that we have lost 
our desire to just sit, slow down, mm -hmm. sit down, and listen. Just let it go. Just relax. Yeah. And it music has become background, the soundtrack for other activities. Mm -hmm. It has become secondary. Right. And with that, I think people's lives and I think our local cultures have been diminished by that. Mm -hmm. But every expert who comes to these areas and everybody who um, talks about revitalizing a city's culture, what do they start with? Music. Arts and entertainment. Yeah. And usually more entertainment than arts. Mm -hmm. So. So it's. I, but the problem is we almost have to drag people into the room one at a time mm -hmm. and hope that the, they have that transformative experience mm -hmm. and are really moved right. by what they hear. Right. Um, I can do that with customers, but it's one at a time. Yeah. I sit down and say, have you ever heard right. just a good stereo image? Right. Now, people our age know what a stereo image is. Mm -hmm. They don't even know what stereo is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. They, they're listening through a Bluetooth speaker or computers. They mm -hmm. have no idea what stereo is. Right, right. <laughs> and you sit down and you put on Adele's Hello and they go, oh my. There's some well, that must, in there I How much know. does that cost? <laughs> no, you can't go to Best Buy and get it for 199 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> but that we're after fast and cheap. You know, you have quality, time, and money. Mm-hmm. And it's a triple constraint. You can have two out of three. Mm -hmm. We want fast and cheap. So you're going to sacrifice quality. Right. Right. Yeah, that's... If you want quality and cheap, eh, man, that's going to happen. You're going to have to walk up to a white horse mm -hmm. sometime at a first Friday, and maybe it'll happen. Right. Right. Yeah, that's actually going to have to be my next uh my next expenditure is to put in a decent stereo system i i, I made a podcast studio so that i can record at home and i want my brother got me some vinyl for my birthday so i have to get back into it so that's that, that's the main next. thing of vinyl is it makes you slow down oh yeah yeah and you at least listen you listen to the album yeah uh shuffle play the minute you put something on shuffle play yeah you relegate it to background mm -hmm. consciously. Yep. That's the choice yep. you make. Yeah. I hate shuffle play. Uh, it's not the way the artist meant it. No. To and so Sonos, I think, coined the phrase, you know, hear music the way the artist intended mm -hmm. to be heard. Neil Young rails and rails against MP3s. Mm -hmm. yep. um, launching a new format wasn't the best idea, Neil. Just take it from me. Yeah. Um, the, but, yes. You hear the difference. It's stunning. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's stunning. Yeah, it's it's more of a it's 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 way more immersive. It, you you hear all of it. And well, what surprises me is that this has taken over the whole culture. Mm -hmm. I had Cam Snyder. He's putting a new restaurant. He's building a new Chubby Trout, mm -hmm. um, renovating an old barn, and he's got two other restaurants. And we took high quality music to him and he, he was just stunned mm -hmm. but yeah he, what's he doing he has a he has this expensive stereo right. and they're streaming mp3s uh -huh. it sounds yeah. awful right awful yeah so 
experience it. That's mm-hmm. if we don't say get any other message across. It's we love all kinds of music, but we want you to listen to it mm-hmm. the way it was recorded. Right, right. And as far as the live acts go, I have watched the audience and somebody who comes to one. Pretty good bet they're going to be at the next one. Interesting data point. I I did my background was marketing, so before I launched this, I did quite a bit of market research on my own. Mm. And what I learned was of my friends in this region and P, and their friends, because I asked each of them to forward it to three friends who like music. Uh-huh. Uh, guess what the median was for the number of concerts they went to a okay. year. I'm going to say it's probably four. You're right on the money. Yeah. Right on the money. So First Fridays is one. Elkhart mm-hmm. County Fair is one. They go see, used to be Paul Revere and the Raiders. It's the third one. You might get them one time. Yep. Now, those are all <laughs> baby boomers, mostly. Mm-hmm. So that's not a surprising number mm-hmm. for baby boomers. Right. Who have this, this collective worldview that if I go see live music, it's going to be either expensive, uh, right. inconvenient, right, or suck. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've gotten set in our ways. But young people are consuming entertainment, you know, in massive, massive mm-hmm. doses. Now, getting them to focus on one, I don't know what it's going to take. Right. But that's who's going to decide the future. <laughs> Those under the age of 35 are going to decide mm-hmm. the future of the whole music industry. Right, right. And if they're streaming it through a pair of earbuds, it you know it looks pretty dark. You're you're not going to get that emotional connection. No, it, it, you can't. Yeah. Uh, every everything I ever all the or LPs. sitting or sitting four hundred yards back of the main stage at Bonnaroo, right? In ninety degree heat. Uh huh. Okay. I'm sorry, but you're probably it might be Kanye West, but you're not going to be that moved by the performer, right? Okay. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> well, and and, but that's the ex- the big experience of the festival. I'm sorry, but it's mostly negative. Yeah, and they're yeah. great discoveries. Where did it happen? It happens on the side stages, anyhow. Right, right, right. That's what p- the young people come back from mm-hmm. uh, from a festival with mm-hmm. are those. Right. Yeah, that's that's the experience I've had as well. The the little ones are always always much much better that's where exciting new yeah. stuff's happening yeah so uh it looks like the morris in south bend is trying to emulate you a little bit uh <laughs> i've noticed i've noticed what they have tedeschi trucks i'll go all the way back to um so you got mellencamp avid brothers uh old crow medicine show and then tedeschi trucks. uh yeah all America kind of acts, all acts being played on 91.1 yeah. only. Yeah. yeah. There isn't a single South Bend radio station spun any of those records. Uh-huh. And never <laughs> will. Well, like I said, you know, the experts have been to all the cities now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they've said, this is what you have to have. Yeah. We've had conversations mm-hmm. with, with uh, David Smith from The Learner and mm-hmm. Anthony Hunt, WVPE, and um, the the people over who are managing the uh, booking at the Morris now, and I think that's a great compliment. We've got veg- the reopening of Vegetable Buddies in South Bend. Mm-hmm. Jeff Harrison 
is uh, a guy who's doing the same thing I am. And uh, having been to the original Vegetable Buddies mm -hmm. and seen who they book, yep. uh, my friend Andy Pinelli. Uh, Andy, I hope you're listening to this because he would come up and do my radio show with me. Mm -hmm. And he would play just acts that played at Vegetable Buddies. Uh -huh. <laughs> and people would call in from all over the United States. Yeah. So you know it happened in this market mm -hmm. once before. Right. If we can get young people excited about it, the market's big enough mm -hmm. to support uh, um, theater shows again. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's the market's not big enough now yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, what's that? Yeah, but even his, by relying on the uh, LV Miller, LVD's concert series ran for 20 years, mm -hmm. but it was a baby boomer audience and it's, you know, over the years, it just keeps shrinking down. Right, right. Well, they're in Florida, or yeah. they're traveling, right. or they're visiting the grandkids, or mm. their daughter. Yeah. And pretty soon, yeah. pretty soon the whole scene, but that was a narrower genre. That mm -hmm. was folk, bluegrass, uh, very little electric. Mm -hmm. right. I think at this point, and we try to emulate this, we're not doing straight bluegrass, straight blues, straight even straight rock mm -hmm. we're at we're tending towards the electric end of that but it's it's roots music and a blend of styles mm -hmm. that's what's exciting right and you're bringing people in who write meaningful songs about real life it starts with the songs yeah if you're singing about crap mm -hmm. you can almost predict the audience you're going to get yeah if you're singing about life experiences uh emotional pain real adult topics, you got a better chance of making that connection. Right. We have a young lady, Adrian, who just started working for us, a uh, recent college grad, and she's doing her best to get me into hip hop. Uh -huh. And we finally just arrived at the conclusion <laughs> that um, some of it, some of them would have been great lyricists mm -hmm. uh, because the lyrics are good. Right. It's right. poetry. Yeah. Um, like De La Soul. Yeah, but That's they probably stuff. should have been poets in, yeah. instead of Pretending to be a musician, yeah. Kanye. Right. <laughs> um, but it's going to change. Music's always going to change. And, mm -hmm. and it's people bringing that perspective back to one of these root styles that takes something and makes it new. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Gil Scott Heron was doing this in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> to me, when it's all there, the music, the lyrics, the audience, the sound, that's when the magic happens. Mm -hmm. And... I have this discussion with every artist. We sit in these chairs and we talk about what it's like for them. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, are thrilled and want to know how it's going for me. Uh -huh. And I ask them point blank with that definition of all those elements being together, audience, sound, and the band playing. Um, how often does the magic happen for you mm -hmm. as an artist? And they said about 25% of the time. Wow. And the rest is a slog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're just... I don't know what our percentage is. I, I, I have had shows that appeal to one segment of my audience versus the other. Mm -hmm. But because of that blend of style, everybody finds something they love oh, yeah. about the artist. Oh, yeah. And usually it's the songs. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep, there's... Like I said, I haven't, I haven't seen a bad one yet. Well, we're pushing it. Uh, we have 17 shows 
from um, August 20th, this Saturday, through Dece- the f- December 9th. Mm-hmm. That's almost every week. Okay. So we will see. Okay. If we can get some people out, I think the scene is at this stage where it's ready to go to that next level. Right, right. Uh, but bringing them in one at a time um, is, is too slow. And mm-hmm. that's why we're trying the recording and the video piece. That's and a good see idea. If, uh, if we can get some proprietary content up mm-hmm. that will allow people to at least get a, uh, some insight right. as to what's happening. Right, right. And uh, I'm going to dedicate my time on the podcast to getting people here. Well, so it's, that's... I, I think it's a great value. I, I mean, I give money back guarantees. Uh, from individual albums so Jason. to uh <laughs> he stole it from me i was doing it first uh jason samuel has been a fen- phenomenal partner in uh, this if you want to read a great article about the creation mike wambaugh who was the editor of the goshen news wrote it uh this spring and i think all you have to do is google partners in progress mm-hmm. goshen news i've read that and it will yeah. come up yeah. We have copies here in the store. It's mm-hmm. right there on the yeah. on the uh, coffee table. But that's our creation story. Mm-hmm. And Mike went with Jason down to meet with the contacts that we've developed in in Nashville mm-hmm. in particular. Right. And in the Americana industry. And it it is ironic that we're better known in Nashville than we are in South Bend. Uh-huh. It's a bit <laughs> that, ironic to that, me. That is a big irony there. Wow. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Well, we've got we got a core f- of uh, band fans, fans of the venue in New York City, in L.A., mm-hmm. um, in, and especially in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. We have quite a few artists that come up from Austin right, right now. Right. Uh, Memphis. Mm-hmm. Amy Levere. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shannon McNally's a Shannon Memphis. McNally's yeah. another yeah. Memphis connection, yeah. but Nashville. Well, Nashville's more or less the the capital of rock music mm-hmm. these days yeah. as well. Right. Yeah. So. And as I said, you're you're really uh helping the local bands too. The showcase That's been with... tougher. That's been tougher. Yeah. Um and because part of it is and Jason's better at this part than I am, but part of it's educating people who have aspirations to be a professional. Okay, here's what you gotta have. Yeah. Here's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to be brutally honest with them. Yeah. You know, you're just not good enough. Play mm-hmm. 100 shows. Right. Uh, because once you start writing songs, and this happened with the Minor Prophets, a band that I was in, and we had two great songwriters. Mm-hmm. They were phenomenal, pr- prolific. Mm-hmm. They were bringing songs every practice. Uh-huh. Uh, which songs can be fleshed out into something that's really moving, mm-hmm. and which ones are just you can tap your foot to. Yeah. Uh, you don't know that till you play it with it in front of an audience. Right. Hence the hundred shows. Uh huh. Because by that time you find out which songs don't work, mm-hmm. which songs do. Right. So for the first two years we were here, um, we did not put local bands on stage mm-hmm. and they were ticked. <laughs> Man. Um, Lucas Simpson was trying to organize, of uh, the gold mine pickers, mm-hmm. uh, was trying to organize a boycott at one point. Uh-oh. But we just stayed true. You know, this it has to be music that if you're gonna going to open the show, mm-hmm. you can't embarrass us. Right. 
It's happened once. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that in that case, I don't know if it was the artist's fault or, but they had a I great was, they had a great reputation. Night. Yeah. <laughs> but the lead singer had never heard herself through a monitor. Okay. Yeah, she, was... she had always just sung in coffee shops and the chicory and things and mm-hmm. and and she's pitchy. Mm-hmm. Okay, when she pushes her voice, she goes sharp. Mm-hmm. So she backed away from the microphone and basically started whispering her lyrics. Uh-oh. <laughs> but we tell them the same thing. Give me your new record. Mm-hmm. Give me a story. Mm-hmm. Tell me who plays in the record right. and which. what's your single? What's your focus track? Mm-hmm. And you can have two. Mm-hmm. Um, then we listen to it anyhow and we pick what we want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, if it can get on, played on the globe, mm-hmm. you can be on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we don't pay publishing. Uh, so we're, I've talked to ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC and said, here's what I'm trying to do. We're doing original music only. Mm-hmm. You know some of my pros are going to play a cover or two. Mm-hmm. But I'm not trying to make a profit off of that. I'm right. trying to make a profit off of promoting your artist's music. Right, right. So they they are very supportive of what mm-hmm. we're doing. But it's, you know, so we're, we're not going to have someone that's just going to do covers. Mm-hmm. It kind of locks us out of doing, um, you know, open mic or jam night, mm-hmm. much as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be about... $5,000 a year hmm. to pay yeah. what you need to pay mm-hmm. to be a venue. Wow. That's that's salty. No. It's how the yeah. artist gets paid. Yeah. It's a performing yeah. rights to the songs. Yeah. They've copyrighted and mm-hmm. published. Those are the rules. Yeah. I understand Paul Williams is taking care of that, right? <laughs> Isn't he? <laughs> Isn't he ASCAP? Well, no. There, there's a... Uh, You know, all of the the musicians are ASCAP. That's uh, what I try to tell everyone. Yeah. The musicians are the ones that are ASCAP. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it's called mailbox money. And, yeah. um, you know, you need to get paid. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, how many tickets you sell is mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah. Uh, that gets reported. How many mm-hmm. records you sell gets reported. Right. And that's how their royalties are divided up. Mm-hmm. And the only ones artists can live on anymore are performing royalties mm-hmm. and recording. Right. Not MP3, not streaming. Right. Um, I mean, the rate is 0.0018 mm. per stream. Have you, have you And followed? that's if it's not split with a co-writer. Right. Or a label. Yeah. If it's split with a label, the label gets 70% of that. So you get 3 million streams and you get a check for $15. Holy cow. You know? That, Have you followed the right David now. Lowry? Uh, Lowry, uh, I actually shared, Spotify. finally shared one of his posts. Yeah. But yeah, they're trying to. Um, the basically the record labels gave it away, mm-hmm. and it's because you were down to three record labels. They weren't that bright. Mm-hmm. They didn't see streaming coming. Yeah, they were still into selling physical right things. Right. And the music business, the major labels have always made the majority of their money from reissuing things they already controlled <laughs> in a new format. Yeah. So I said, what the hell? Who cares, man? We yeah. don't have, and we don't have to make anything. These guys are dumb. Yeah. They are stupid. <laughs> we'll just, it's just extra money. Just yeah. take it. Yeah. And they gave it away. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I don't know how streaming is going to turn out, but last year it was 70% of music consumption. Yeah. So yeah. it's here. It's mm. not going away. Good luck getting a higher royalty rate. Mm. And then that trans, just like cable TV, that's going to translate into some kind of subscription fee mm. that will allow these companies to make money right. and the artists to make money. Yeah. The yeah. frustrating thing is none of the streaming companies are making money, except right. for Deezer. Europe. Yeah. Even iTunes is not making money. Right. Yeah, it's such a catch-22. So I don't know where it will end up, yeah. but MP3s should be cheap or free. Mm -hmm. We'll see if they... Um, iTunes is trying to buy Tidal, Jay-Z's company right now, mm -hmm. the artist-owned one. Mm -hmm. Air quotes, you yeah. can't see that. Um, <laughs> Uh, they do flack. Mm. And so you can kind of see where iTunes only does 256 kilobytes per second mm. MP3s. That's the low bit rate MP3. Mm. Uh, so the flack file is going to have 10 times the information. Right. Uh, you can see them making that, then uh, they have a, a high res, or they'll come up with some new mm. marketing geniuses some status thing and, and the right price is probably 29.95 a month mm -hmm. for now i think so yeah um so i'm just tell people i mean mm -hmm. don't these are not going to sound like that mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're playing mp3s right and you want to play flack at some point you you might as well buy the cd and right. rip it to your hard drive oh yeah who knows yeah. what's coming next at least you have the master mm -hmm. The one thing with uh, Flack, and I noticed this because I've actually set up a streaming server at home where I stream my Flack. Man, it eats up the data because <laughs> it's a much yeah, bigger memory. Yeah, but memory's cheap. What's a terabyte? What's a terabyte of memory cost? Oh, external not much. hard drive. Not... Eighty bucks? Yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking 59 about fifty-nine bucks. Yeah, I'm talking about my phone data. It, well, you, stream... you don't use oh. your phone for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I'm driving, that's baby boomers. Only... Baby boomers. That's where you take the CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, and flash drive. I mean, uh, flash drives mm -hmm. are cheap. You can get a huge flash drive. You can get a couple yep. hundred songs on it. Oh, yeah. And just, but it's it will be interesting to see where it settles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's. I don't think vinyl's going away. I think the CD's going away. Yeah. Which is sad because yeah. of the three, price, quality, and speed. Yeah. It's probably the best balance format. Mm -hmm. Right. You can get all three, mm -hmm. and that's why it lasted 30 years. Yep. Well, like I told you, both my kids. Maybe someday they'll have CD clubs and CD yeah. players. CDs will be collectible. Uh -huh. I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> I got a couple Just boxes look on Amazon Marketplace. They yeah. will. The sellers will pay you. They have so many things listed at a penny each. Mm -hmm. Or even subsidized freight. You can get it for zero and two forty nine shipping. Yeah. I don't know how you make any money doing that. Yeah. But players will never last fifty years like a turntable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What well, else? Anything else? We're I probably way long, aren't we? We're about normal. Really? Yeah. Boy. I started out doing thirty minute interviews and they've gone to hour, hour and a half because uh I got a little bit better at it, I think. So <laughs> Well, you can edit, you know, what Jason does. We did, we filmed one here last week with Wilson's Reservoir. Supposedly it's run on the globe. Uh-huh. Um, 
but you know they edit it down to a five minute segment and then they play a song right and yeah we filmed for two hours mm -hmm. right? that's right. not going to make it to the radio right right no <laughs> doubt no doubt so feel free to edit my uh, uh where i repeat myself yeah all of the gunners and uh Audas and i think we might have achieved my first interview without swearing yeah well, you can throw one in real quick. Nah, if you want. Nah. Well, okay, I'll give you one. One of the people we talked to, Luke Doucette, uh -huh. Melissa McClellan, which is Whitehorse. Luke was one of the founders of Six Shooter Records in Canada uh -huh. with Shauna DeCartier. Okay. It was the first act. Uh -huh. act. Uh, this was when he was in uh, Sarah McLachlan's band. Uh -huh. as her lead guitarist and producer. Right. And their tagline is, Life's too short to listen to shitty music. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a good that's a good note. So to let's, end let's on. just close on that. Yeah, uh, folks, if you have the opportunity, come to Goshen. I know a lot of you are in South Bend, a lot of you are in Mishawaka, some of you are in Niles. Come to Goshen. It's maybe thirty minutes from wherever you're at, and see a show at Ignition Music. I can tell you it will be life-changing, and no matter what band it is, you're going to like them. So come out and see them. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks for being on the show, Steve. I loved it. I had a great time, Scott.